0: Welcome to the Perfume Room. I'm very excited to share my scent of the day with you today because it's something you've been asking about for a while, which is for an updated list of my favorite designer scents that are currently on the market available for you to try before you buy at your local Sephora's, Alta's, Macy's, department stores, etc. And I will just let you know that there is an upcoming episode completely dedicated to this topic. So for now, I will just share this one with you that I recently tried and it was just an instant love. And you know what? It is a flanker. It is the new Givenchy Irresistible Scent Rose Velvet. Now, I'm not sure if it's the specific rose molecule that they used in this flanker or maybe the type of iris, but it has such a distinct velvety texture, unlike the original, just as the name suggests. It has almost like a sort of soft, fuzzy, pastel effervescence. Like the initial sparkle comes from the buzzy black currant note in the opening. And then the sort of chalky, pezzy, but I would say like peach fuzz over powder comes from that iris note. And then there's a grounding note of patchouli, which keeps the whole formula warm and sort of out of that sort of soapy territory. This scent kind of feels like the physical embodiment of that sort of Charlotte Tilbury, blush pink, pillow talk aesthetic. It's a category that I am calling, and I think I've said this word before on this podcast, but it is a Thumbelina scent, okay? So a Thumbelina scent, also lovingly referred to by me as a Princess Peach scent, a Tinkerbell scent, a Polly Pocket scent. If you are envisioning any of these characters, you are in the room with me, okay? It's like anything that feels sort of sparkly, pastel, Pez Fairy, oftentimes due to notes of rose, iris, oris, peach, citrus, rice powder, etc. And it happens to be one of my favorite types of scents. For reference point, some others that I would put in that category are like Maison Francis Kurkdjian, Ameris Femme, or Killian Flower of Immortality. If we're going more niche, Centauri and Theia, you get the gist. Anyway, tried this in Macy's, I absolutely loved it. And I'm not sure if it's in Sephora or Alta yet, but it's definitely in Macy's. And if you like any of the aforementioned scents I just mentioned, definitely check this one out. We got to get to today's guest because it is such a fun, lively, and inspiring conversation. Today we are joined by the wonderful Carlos Huber. Carlos began his career as an architect specializing in historic preservation, and he still very much is one. But a perfect combination of destiny, serendipity, and passion led him to his second career, perfume. You'll hear all about his friendship-turned-mentorship-turned-business-partnership with the legendary, highly-decorated perfumer Rodrigo Flores Rue, and what has ensued since their first meeting has been nothing short of extraordinary. Carlos is the founder of the award-winning fragrance brand Arquiste, which, by the way, the story of how this brand came to be, which he shares in this episode, is just... It's kismet, okay? We also discuss some other notable collaborations like your favorite, my favorite, Vacation Inc. Yes, he and Rodrigo are the duo behind the scent of the Vacation perfume and all of their sunscreens. And as you'll hear, Carlos might've ended up in the fragrance industry in a somewhat sort of roundabout way, but in talking to him, it's clear that scent has always been the red thread of his passions and his projects long before he was ever in the industry. You will love Carlos, you will love this conversation, and so I'm not going to keep you from him any longer. Here is Carlos Huber. Carlos, welcome to the Perfume Room. How are you doing today? Thank
1: you, Emma. I'm very good. It's a lovely Friday. Uh, We have beautiful afternoon light.
0: We're sitting in your gorgeous apartment. This thank is you. the ultimate perfume room, the ultimate perfume parlor space. I love it.
1: Yeah, like right the gardenia painting, everything. <laughs> yeah. I'm
0: into it. It's the best. It's the best perfume room I've been in. So Thank you very much. Thank you for having us.
1: Yeah, I saw the painting in a in a like exhibit and I was like I don't love the frame, but I love the painting and I kind of have to have a painting of a gardenia you at home.
0: Like, you do. You have to have it. Yeah, if you yeah. see a note that you work with, you must get a It's my favorite frame. flower. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing! It's beautiful, yeah. and it matches your your sweater. Great, yeah. very, very simpatico! <laughs> I love it. Okay, so the, I always start the podcast asking, "What are you currently wearing, fragrance wise?"
1: I am currently wearing. I'm working with Rodrigo Flores on an orange blossom scent, and uh, orange blossom is one of my favorite notes Me to work too. with. And I like, we've worked on many uh, orange, fl- fr- orange blossom, orange adjacent kind of like uh, fragrances, but this one is something that like we did a mod, you know, a modification for Ascent mm-hmm. that kind of like just like ended up there, didn't go anywhere. Okay. And I always kept like going back to it. And there was a like a richness, richness to it that um, was kind of like new to me because I gravitate to a very fresh kind of colony orange blossom mm-hmm. like that that's the very sort of like Mexican mm-hmm. Spanish heritage of like what we are. Uh, used to growing up, mm-hmm. um, and this one was a little bit like deeper. Mm. Um, still has a lot of freshness. So I wanted to revisit it, and like it's like it's like the f- next story that I'm working on uh, with him.
0: Would you say, with that said, um, do you have any sort of like signature scent profile that you typically gravitate towards, whether it's your creations or what you wear?
1: Yeah, I think so. I was like actually t- like talking about this with. I had lunch with a perfumer that I work with, and we were discussing sort of like our styles. I love ambery and I love both types of ambers, like the very salty, um, kind of marine, uh, seaweedy, kind of Mm -hmm. like dry ambers. And then I love like the more sort of like cashmere, um, velvety kind of ambers. Um, I love balsamic notes as well. And I love powdery and musky scents. Like I love like very classic, almost sort of like talcum powder Mm-hmm. Um, um lotion kind mm-hmm. of musks and okay. powdery notes almost a little bit makeup-y. Mm-hmm. um although those are not very fashionable <laughs> um but uh but that's kind of like I think like what I like so I end up like in what I develop I end up working with a lot of like different amber facets mm-hmm. and different balsamic notes and I always want this sort of like saltiness and a warmth to be kind of like Not always there, but like I want that to be a bit of a signature Mm -hmm. because it feels very, it feels very sort of like lived in. And Mm -hmm. I like that about a scent because that way a fragrance feels like part of a person rather than just sort of like something that you applied over your own skin, over your own personality.
0: Mm -hmm. Like one with the skin. Yeah. Nice little like sweet, savory balance that you have going yeah, and going. I guess
1: if you think about it all of them are like things that go with skin really well like the powderiness the amberiness mm-hmm. the balsamic I like I like really the aspect of skin to be heightened and highlighted in the mm-hmm. fragrance
0: do you have any fragrance hot takes or controversial opinions that people might not necessarily agree with you about
1: I mean I feel like there's so many right now that we could like Dive into just because there's so much controversy around like clean and vegan and green and synthetic. I mean, even the synthetic versus natural has become like a little passe because I think like people are a little bit more educated on that. Right. But it seems that there's always something that people are raising a flag about with fragrance, and um, I feel I sometimes wish people were a little bit lighter with mm-hmm. about perfume, that they're are already a lot of like regulations in place and a lot of like care and attention to like Mm -hmm. uh, allergens and also a lot of um, just so many flavors out there to choose from that it doesn't have to be this like live or die decision of like is this the right scent for me Mm -hmm. like make it maybe part of your wardrobe part Mm -hmm. of your your fragrance like sort of like portfolio and Mm -hmm. just enjoy it and you can enjoy it maybe for just like a day out of the week it doesn't have to be there for forever um but so i i i i I think it's just like fragrance meant to be fun it's supposed to be playful it's supposed to be engaging whether it's with somebody else or with yourself Mm -hmm. um so you know i think there's like there's i don't think that like the fragrance industry is out there to hurt people yeah i don't think there's this um huge I, I, I of course like carbon footprint and all these things are actually very real mm-hmm. and I think that in terms of extraction and factories and even but like in every level like shipping and packaging um but I there's this whole movement of like you know all of these ingredients have been in fragrances and they, they, they don't tell you about them and they're out there to hurt you and I don't think like that's the right mentality it's also sort of like it's self-sabotaging right for like fragrance brands to like claim that or say that because you're you are part of the industry and you know that's actually not exactly the case so that for me feels very controversial and it feels very um like almost like a treason within the company i mean when people say like paraben free like fragrances have been paraben free for a long time Mm -hmm. like you're actually you know lying to people saying that you were like the first one to do this right right um so yeah i think it's important to care and to be mindful of what you put on your body Mm -hmm. but this is topical this is already under control right and uh there's like a lot of like lies out there
0: yeah there's a lot of fear-mongering and i yeah exactly also, your point about like saying paraben free, like you're like claiming it. It's like someone marketed an orange and they were like, there's no trace of apples in here. Like, it's exactly. just like what? Like, it's just like two different things, right? Yeah, like, it's exactly. kind of what you're saying. I totally agree. Okay, Well, you're talking about like fragrance should be fun, fragrance wardrobe. Take me back to your roots. Where did your love of fragrance begin? And what were you wearing?
1: So, I mean, I was always wearing, like still growing up in Mexico City, I think like sort of like when you're in Latin America, you grow up with like a stronger sense of like, um, oh, you need people wear a lot more fragrance. Totally. And so there's always like fragrance for every single activity and every single age. Mm-hmm. And even as a baby, there's like baby colognes. yeah. And so they they spray them on you. They comb your hair with it. So I grew up with orange blossom colognes that were a mix of like. Mexican and, like, Spanish brands because Mm -hmm. we had those readily available. And I remember always being doused in cologne in an orange blossom. It's usually a version of, like, a musky, um, powdery orange blossom. Mm. Very much like the scent of, like, a baby's head. But if the head was, like, dipped in, like, orange blossom, (laughs) like cologne. 4711, right? Totally. Um, And they're, like, lovely. And so, like, I always remember having, you know— having cologne in my life since, like, I was a baby. Mm -hmm. Um, My parents always, like, were big fragrance people as well. And even I remember sort of, like, my grandparents, like, fragrances, uh, which I still have this Agua Brava. I don't know if you know that one. Mm -hmm. It's from Pooch. Okay. And it's, like, a lavender kind of fougere. It's super classic, super, like, smells like a well-dressed, like, suited, like Spanish man. And that's what my grandfather would use. And I still buy it just because it's super nostalgic to me. So that's kind of like the same culture that I grew up with. My first recollection of like, oh, smelling something or like, what is that smell? I was a little older than that. I was 12. And it was the first time that we went to London on a trip with my family. And we stayed in this hotel. And as it was like my first like trip to a place like that, we, you know, and that hotel was very nice and we felt it felt very sort of like special. I remember walking into the lobby and there was a specific smell mm-hmm. that I always associated with kind of the the just removed from my like, everyday reality that felt. Mm-hmm. And I would tell my dad, like, what's that smell? What's that smell? Like the lobby smells incredible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he uh, was like, at first he was like, I don't, I don't know, Carlos, I don't know and then (laughs) the last time i think the last day that we were there i kept insisting and he's like oh it's the flowers and it was this big like vase of lilies Mm. just you know white lilies that were so many that like they really filled up like the entire lobby with the scent and it's not that i didn't have like lilies at home but uh well and by home i mean mexico city but like I don't know, like lilies, my mom would never buy lilies. She would always get tuberos at home. So I associated mm. tuberos with the house, not the lilies. And so that was my first the first moment that I recognized scent as something that like defined a space mm. and defined a moment for mm-hmm. me. And I think that has been very important in my career as developer because not only did it like click that I could associate fragrance with memory but that I associated um, a time, a place, a feeling, and uh, like the perception of an entire experience. Mm -hmm. Because for me, it smelled, you know, different and opulent and Mm -hmm. London. And I never thought that like lilies would relate to London in that sense. But for, for me, that did that. Years later, when I decided to like, launch chart keys and i told my dad about it i thought he was gonna have a heart attack because i'm an architect and i love architecture and you know i was working in architecture and when i told him this he was like well but do, are you do you want to leave architecture and i said like no i don't want to leave it it's i'm not signing a sort of like a, a like well, never like build again <laughs> but um but i have this opportunity i want to do it and he s- said remember that time in london where you kept insisting on the 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 lobby smell and mm-hmm. i said yes he's like I always thought, like, that was so strange that you kept insisting. So, like, this makes sense mm-hmm. that you've always been very connected to your nose. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, has remained a very sort of, like, important moment in my career.
0: But it's interesting, too, that it was so tied to space. And then you yeah. originally went into architecture because I feel like there's a lot of overlap of, like, designing a space and yep. thinking about how you're going to scent it. And I'm curious, too. Well, let's go a step back. What first led you to your architecture career
1: um really it's old cities Mm -hmm. and i I think that also has to do with the experience of a place right um it's old cities i grew up in mexico city and going on weekends to the historic center Mm -hmm. and go walking inside the churches and what that smelled like and the incense and the old like wood and the the guilt and the altars and all that that was such a special experience and so also so different from my upbringing and from like my own home and everything, even though that was in my own hometown. Mm-hmm. Um, that fascinated me. The fact that like these old sections of cities were so amazing and they were so transportive, I love that. And I loved old buildings. I love, you know, art history and I love history in general. Um, but I was fascinated by old cities. That's why that first trip to London or any trip to, Uh, a small town in Mexico, a colonial town, or, um, uh, you know, the first time we came to, like, New England and we went to, like, Cape Cod and uh, we stayed in, like, a little, like, clapboard house or we went to Europe, I was just fascinated by it. And so I really decided, like, architecture is what I want to do. I loved Legos. I loved building. I love um, all that kind of thing. But I knew that the history aspect of architecture was... The type of design that I wanted to do, something that had to do with architecture, and that's why I ended up, even after like studying architecture, um, focusing on historic preservation,
2: because
1: mm-hmm. that's what I understood. Like that's what drew me to architecture was old buildings, old cities, and the experience of being in them, around them, surrounded by them.
0: Mm-hmm. So with with preservation architecture. What does that, does that entail, like, going into an old space and sort of, like, keeping its original roots but making it last? Like, what does that entail exactly, I guess?
1: Yeah, preservation is very, it's very interesting because it changes a lot uh, in every country. Mm -hmm. Um, In the United States, it's actually a very, like, wide kind of field because you can go into preservation law, which means you end up, like, working for maybe, like, the Landmarks Commission in Mm -hmm. a city, Or even like a sort of like a homeowners neighbors association or something that protects buildings Mm -hmm. and says like, you know, this particular one is relevant. It's significant because of its history, its design, it's kind of like echo in the neighborhood, uh, what it means for the city. Or uh, you can be an architect and then, you know, which is kind of like how I went into it. And it's saying, well, I want to study old buildings. I want to know how to uh, respectfully and... Uh, more efficiently design around them Mm
2: -hmm.
1: i want to maybe learn how to make uh additions interventions if i'm going to like take an old building that has um opportunities for new design how do i marry the old with the new right um and that's like as an architect how you go into it you can also be a uh a conservationist like a uh, working the conservation aspect of preservation which means studying material conservation Mm -hmm. so concrete or brick or uh, paint um, studying all of that to sort of like know how to preserve it study it um, you, that's when you realize oh this like this stone is from the 15th century um, this is the pollution that it's had this is the damage that it's had this is how we treat it hmm. so there's a lot of like different aspects of how to involve um how to how to like work in preservation
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I was asking this because I know with Arquiste, your line, that it really is about the history, uh, like telling stories of the past and like kind of recreating these scent spaces and scent memories from decades ago, from centuries ago. So it's right. it's an interesting crossover of of preservation in a different way.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it has to do with like when I studied uh, preservation here in New York. That's how I moved to New York. Originally, I I came to Columbia University for their preservation program and the cool thing about like studying preservation in in the states is that it's less conservative and it's less tied to just material conservation Mm -hmm. and it's more creative in its approach on how do we make this story interesting to people so that they get they understand that old buildings matter. So there's a heavy component of, like, theory. Mm -hmm. There's a heavy component of, like, even, like, just sort of, like, marketing to real estate developers Mm -hmm. to say, like, hey, this old facade, like, matters. Like, preserve it. Yeah. Spend a little bit extra investment on it. And um, so there's a lot of, like, sort of uh, kind of, like, very progressive uh, thinking on, like, how do we, like, save cities? and. Within that, in like they we all they always made us think like listen, old buildings matter not only because of George Washington like staying there, or because it's like a uh, an expensive uh, you know mansion in Newport, Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. They matter because they have stories to tell, and because of the experience of being within them is different than a new house. Mm-hmm. And so, ex- the, ex- the experiential part of it, and the sort of like the Even the kind of like non-visual aspects of why, how like being in this building is different is very important to like communicate to people.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And so that always made me think like part of the experience of why I like old buildings and old cities is the smells around them. Mm -hmm. You know, the old churches, the old wooden houses, um, the patina, and sort of like, or like, even sort of like a stucco wall inside of a room, how that smells sort of like salty and mineral. Mm-hmm. Um, all of it is like, it's an experience in itself. So, this made me think a lot between okay, if I want to like recreate an a, a, a experience from back in the day, I have to like place it in a setting mm-hmm. that makes sense for it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and um, when I was, like, finishing my, my uh, master's in preservation, my thesis project was this old building in Mexico City that used to be a convent. Okay. And, you know, it had a church, like, next to it. Um, there was a courtyard uh, that usually ha- would have, like, potted uh, plants, mm-hmm. and uh, being a Mexican convent with, like, nuns, the kitchen was a very important part of it. And Mexican cuisine is actually born in convent kitchens. And so a lot of like recipes uh, came out from convents like this. And so I remember studying this and I remembered learning that like there were pots of like basil and rosemary and laurel in like the courtyard. And that, of course, like the, the church was built with these ingredients, uh, sorry, with this construction materials, they become ingredients for me. Um, but there were cedar wood beams and there were stucco walls and there were like um, terracotta floors. Mm-hmm. And uh, then in the kitchen, this particular convent that I studied, I found that they had a recipe for hot chocolate that was very unique mm-hmm. because it had an infusion of chilies.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and there were three smoked chilies that are guajillo, ancho and uh, ancho. Mm-hmm. And um, they also added jasmine to the formula. And this is in like the 17th uh, century. And it's when like things were coming from like China and the Philippines because uh, Spain had trade with them. And uh, chocolate, of course, was and vanilla were from Mexico. And, um, you know, these like nuns were like just mixing things together. So I was like, wow, just like the experience of being in this convent, the smells around it. Would have been incredible right? from all the spices, but then the church nearby and then the plants in the courtyard and even like kind of like what they would be wearing or the fabrics or like all of this, like the scent of the place would mm-hmm. have been very, very special.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was sort of like the first time that I thought like I would like to recreate that.
0: So you were thinking about the scent of it before you were even in the world of perfume.
1: Yeah. and i had a lot of this information in my thesis uh Mm -hmm. project because it was all the research on the convent Mm. so i had information on the the construction materials i had the information on the plants Mm -hmm. i have the had the information on the the kitchen recipes Mm
2: -hmm.
1: so i was like thinking about this and then when i met like the perfumers that's when everything like clicked and i was like i have all this like research would you like to see it it would be amazing to like make a perfume around this
0: Hello, I'm interrupting your listening to remind you that I do indeed do scent consultations. If you've ever listened to Perfume Room and wished that you could get some one on one recommendations from me based on exactly what you're looking for and what you like, I do that. Simply go to the Perfume Room Instagram, which is just at Perfume Room Pod, click the link in my bio, and then click the button that says Book a scent consult with me. Whether you're looking for a gift for a loved one, a signature scent, a new fragrance to add to the rotation, a starting point, whatever. I am here, and I am honored to help you on your scent journey. Let's get back to the episode. So, can you go back a few steps of like when you say like when I met the perfumers? Oh yeah. Who did you meet? How did you meet them? What is the perfume scene in New York City?
1: I mean, like the the well, okay. The perfume scene in New York City. I mean, it's more than a scene; it's the industry. Yeah. It's like obviously. Because there's 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 so many layers and levels and different communities within the fragrance world. I always, um, when I talk to people, and they're like, "Well, but shouldn't if you work in fragrance, shouldn't you be in Paris?" And uh, isn't the entire industry in Paris? I was like, "Well, the creative like centers of perfume are really New York and Paris, right? Um, because of course, like the U.S. market is so large that all the fragrance houses have their uh, their s- sister offices here. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole industry here that has been like." For many, many, many years, and you have all the the fillers and packaging people and vendors that, like, supply Mm -hmm. to New York-based companies. Right. So if you want to launch a brand and you want everything, like, readily accessible, you should be either in Paris or New York.
0: Or sometimes uh, in New Jersey, which is a in little, New Jersey, yes, yeah. of, I mean the metro, Randomly. the metro yeah. like tri-state yeah,
1: yeah. area for sure. Yeah, I always New shocks Jersey. me how
0: many fragrance things are going on in Jersey. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, we do our like our like filling and our warehousing is in actually no, our warehousing is in New York, but um, in distribution center, but uh, the filler is in New Jersey. New
0: Jersey's popping, If you're oh, yeah. if you're listening, they say it's the armpit of the country, but it's a good smelling one. So and it used
1: to be Long Island too. Yeah. But okay. I think Long Island is now like priced out. Okay. Because of like state taxes and stuff yeah
0: okay so how did you originally get connected
1: so all starts in mexico city actually i'll actually no all starts in paris i did a year abroad when i was in architecture school i did a year in paris and i always wanted to learn french and i always wanted to live there and so i moved there um and i did my year and i came back to mexico city and my best friend in paris who was french um fell in love with a mexican girl And so he decided to, like, move to Mexico City at the same time that I was coming back. And he said, like, why don't we actually, like, live together, become roommates? Mm -hmm. And I said, like, oh, that's great. And it was really also fun because I was able to, like, maintain, like, the French. Like, we would speak French at home Mm -hmm. and then Spanish outside. And so he improved his Spanish. I improved my French. And then um, one day another friend uh, of mine said, oh, I need to introduce you to this other French girl that you know you guys should meet and so he introduced us to Sophie Bensamu, who is an evaluator at mm-hmm. Simrise today and we became friends so Sophie and I become friends she tells me she's an evaluator I'm like what is that mm-hmm. she explains her role I found it fascinating and I kept asking her like you know I love fragrance this is what I wear but I would always ask her things
0: can I interrupt really quickly yeah. what were you wearing when you said that, like, what oh were you my wearing God. prior What was I this? wearing at that time? We'll go back to this, but I just, I yeah. forgot to ask you.
1: What was I wearing then? All right. So I was probably 24. Oh, you know what I was wearing?
0: Hmm.
1: Oh, this is when I discovered Serge Luton's. Love it. So I, my year in Paris, that's when I discovered like those beautiful, which they they used to be so sort of like, not confidential, but they would used to be so special. You know, you would find the Serge Luton's stores in the Palais Royal, and it was like this... Little boudoir, like just a special universe, and you know these little stores and like the niche world hadn't, hadn't exploded to that level, mm-hmm. and I was probably wearing, you know what I I bought two. I bought Bois Musk, which I still love,
2: mm-hmm.
1: absolutely obsessed with, and I'm still a huge uh, uh, Serge Lutens fan. Um And then I bought uh am Sultan. Mm-hmm. I love love it. I cannot wear it. It's, like, okay, on my skin. I don't know what it is. It's yeah. so strong. It's, like, oof. I can only, like, dab a little bit. Yeah. And that's enough. It's, like, so, so, so strong on me. Yeah. But I loved it. So I was probably wearing one of the two. And I, th- I probably, when I met Sophie, I was, like, oh, I discovered this brand. I have this one. And she said, like, oh, my God. Yeah. She's, like, was, oh, you get it. But I always loved it. I think before that, I mean, I was huge Gucci Envy fan. Mm-hmm. Gucci Envy, all-time favorite. If I could bring that fragrance back.
0: I mean, if there's anyone who could, <laughs> yeah, I, know, I right? feel like you could. <laughs> I know,
1: but then like you don't want to like make a same. Yeah, thing. but you
0: could like put your twist on it. Like,
1: well, I've used, I've done sort of like a little accord mm-hmm. that I used on Misfit.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: Because we wanted something that had a little bit of a nutmeg facet, and mm-hmm. Gucci MV has like a nutmeg. Uh, I Love note. a nutmeg
0: facet. Yeah, it's
1: so cool. Nutmeg is so cool. Um, but yeah, Gucci MV was like something that like I was like, can we use? An aspect of this yeah. in there, and it was like the nutmeg thing that I liked. Um, but anyway, going back to that, yes. so I met Sophie, and uh, and then fast forward a few years later, um, I moved to New York to study historic preservation, and she moves uh, to New York to work at Jivadan. She used to be at Quest before, and mm-hmm. she moved to Jivadan. And so then I I come here, I connect with her again, and then because I had like studied in France. My first friends in New York, besides like this, the the my like, you know, masters friends that were at Columbia with me, was a group of like French people, and I had all these like French friends in New York at the time, and in one party I met Jan Vanier, mm-hmm. who's a perfumer for Givenchy, mm-hmm. and uh, we're talking about, you know, like he tells me what he does. And he's like, oh, I have a friend who's an evaluator. She's like, oh, you have an evaluator friend. Like, how do you know that? Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, well, her name's like Sophie. She's like, Sophie Ben She's like, her office is next to mine. Oh, my God. And it turns out that they were buddies as well, and that they worked together at both here at Givadon in New York. And uh, at the time, I was now working for Ralph Lauren, um, the corporation side for store development. Okay. And the offices are like a block away from Givadon, um, which is on 57th Street uh, and Fifth Avenue. Mm-hmm. And so we said, like, let's go get lunch one day. Um, so we made a thing to have like lunch, if not every week, every other week. Um, and then Jan said, like, if you want to come to the lab one day, like I'll show you. And it was like, absolutely. And Mm -hmm. I was like a kid in the candy store, like was obsessed with like going to the lab at And He would bring me a couple of times and, and would give me little pumps of like different mods he was working on. I was just like fascinated by it. Um, and then one day we're walking down the street to like go to like just our launch spot. And we. What was the spot? It was it was Biche that was oh, on fifty fifth.
0: You know, inquiring minds need to know where were you guys? Yeah,
1: fifty fifth uh, and Sixth uh, Avenue.
0: Love it's it. still there. Okay. Yeah.
1: I no, Bistro Milano. This was Bistro Milano. Milano.
0: Okay.
1: Was it before Biche? Yeah, I think it's it's Bistro Milano now. Um, and then uh, we are walking by, and right outside, we ran into like Rodrigo Flores. And they had mentioned Rodrigo before. They said, like, oh, we have to introduce you to Rodrigo. He's from Mexico City too. How is it that we haven't introduced you? Da, da, da. And I was like, Yeah, 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 introduce me. And I, I didn't really know about him that much. Uh and so finally we meet and just sort of like bumped into each other there, all of us. And they're like, oh my God, this is Carlos. This is Rodrigo. We've been meaning to like uh introduce you guys. And Rodrigo was like, where are you going for lunch without me? And how, like <laughs> I said, you, you've met another Mexican and you haven't introduced <laughs> me. This is so rude. How dare you? Blah blah, blah. Um, And and that was like super like fun. And then we saw each other for another thing that we had like, I was going out with Jan for like this like event and we ended up like having drinks with Rodrigo. And that's when we connected more and I was like, you know, I'm obsessed with fragrance and this is what I love and I want to learn more about it. But I was like, you know, like my thing is really history. And I really want to learn more about like perfume history and what did people do, you know, like 100 years ago, 200 years ago Mm -hmm. in medieval times. Like because I'm reading I was reading at the time this book about like it's it's called the history of private life. Mm. And it's fascinating because it's not about like world, you know, wars and courts or anything like that. It's about like how did people brush their teeth? How did people wake what did they do in the morning? They woke right. up, did they have coffee? Right.
0: Did what they was have like day like?
1: An infusion of what? Like exactly. What yeah. was the the everyday routine, private mm-hmm. life? Mm-hmm. You know, like Interesting. those little small details. And I was like fascinated by it.
0: I am too. I should read that. And one. I was like,
1: I want to learn more about cosmetic history. Like, did people do sachets? When did alcohol come into, you know, the story or um what are other ways to perfume yourself that people were doing back in the day? Mm-hmm. And so he would tell me about that. And then we would always sort of like talk and he's very, very much interested also in art history and architecture history. And has a real passion for like Italian Baroque and, um, just like 17th century and 18th century architecture, which I do too. And so we would connect a lot on that and, uh, just like talk for hours. And he said like, okay, after many meetings, he's like, okay, if you really want to learn more about this, um, come one day a week to like my office after work and we'll do an hour of like perfume class.
0: That is and amazing. And I'll
1: teach you about like, you know, the fragrance families and we'll teach you about like ingredients and I'll teach you about perfume history and iconic formulas. Um, and that's it. We'll just have fun and then we'll go to dinner. And it was a social so thing.
0: fun. Yeah. That sounds like the best social thing ever. It was
1: so much fun. And, uh, And if, you know, that was like for like a year that we did that, a year Mm -hmm. and a half actually Mm -hmm. that we did that. And a little bit, you know, towards the end of it, I was like getting to a point where like, okay, I think my time in like retail store development is done. Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of sort of like preservation work related to um, the stores and the flagships that we were building. So that Mm -hmm. was interesting, but I wanted to like study a little bit more. That study i wanted to do a little bit more like of the the preservation research side Mm -hmm. and i was thinking on it i was coming back from a trip and i was like how do i what what do i want to do on this like next phase and uh my friend that i was with on this like trip said like well what do you like the most in your life right now and he said well i history is always number one but i'm really loving this perfume like day that I have mm-hmm. every week now with Rodrigo and what I'm lear- learning about. He's like, well, why don't you do something with it? And so that's when I thought, like, what if I do like what I what I wanted to like that my went back to my thesis project. Like, what if I can actually mix history, perfume, and architecture all in one, and I can like recreate these old smells or like the experience of mm-hmm. being in the past. Mm-hmm. What does is, what is it smell like to be in this convent in Mexico in 1695?
0: Right.
1: What does it smell like to be also in Mexico, but in pre-Hispanic times, in like this temple uh, with an offering of flowers? Mm-hmm. What does it sm- smell like to be in this forest clearing in Russia um, in the 19th century when two gentlemen are like fighting a duel?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What are all the notes, right. you know? And how can I, can I, like, how can I, can I connect all of them mm-hmm. in a formula? So um, I started working on the idea, and I talked to Rodrigo and Jan and Sophie about it. They were like, "Well, you have to give us like more concrete examples, like how do how do I, we get it?" But like, you have to give us like, something else. And um, I sent them something I was like reading, um, and it wasn't the thesis project; it was something else. I was reading, And know, uh, again, I'm a nerd, so. <laughs> just bear with me here. But I was reading about this like moment where the uh, Louis XIV met his bride and they met in this like wood pavilion that was built on an island in the middle of a river that divides. It's the natural border between France and Spain. So already that feels very sort of like romantic, right? Mm -hmm, Like mm -hmm. a wood pavilion built on an island in the middle of a river.
0: Very niche. Very niche,
1: (laughs) very fragrant. If you think about it, a lot of like references Um, And then in this book, they describe what the bride was wearing, what was the fashion, how she – apparently she was, like, perspiring a lot uh, because she was in this, like, heavy dress. And that also meant that she was, like, a very healthy young woman. Um, Then he was wearing these things. Then the room was decorated this way. The French would wear these types of powders and sachets, and this was sort of, like, the way that people – um would perfume themselves at the time and then the spanish did that the, did something else with like leather gloves and uh rice powder on their skin mm-hmm. and all these kind of stuff and i was like this is a perfume mm-hmm. so uh, i wrote all this in sort of like an essay form which is the way i knew how to write a brief and i wrote this like full essay with like references and footnotes and like bibliography and <laughs> images and captions and all this kind of stuff and i sent it to the three of them and I said like this is an idea for a fragrance
0: how many pages was it
1: oh it's long i mean you I like sent them you. like a book i said yeah I, it was like at least like 10 pages nice. something like that because it, it it told every detail about the story mm-hmm. and how also like jasmine was already used to like uh uh, sent candles and mm-hmm. so candles would already be scented mm-hmm. in specific situations and then how um, leather gloves from Spain were um, the most famous and the most sort of like well-finished mm-hmm. and they the way after like tanning them they would use a specific formula to scent them and it became like uh, this accord called Po de España, which means Spanish skin or Spanish leather and so all of these details were in there and so they call me back one day the three of them on like speaker and they were like we really like this we think you have a brand idea this is more than just a perfume more than just a scent and we want you to work on a business plan because we would like to propose this to Shivadan uh to open an account
0: oh my god
1: yeah and it was definitely a moment it was definitely like is this real and what does that entail and how to even start a business plan and Like, how do I find the bottles? How do I find a filler? How do I find, I mean, what is a filler? Like, Mm -hmm. all these questions Mm -hmm. that I had no clues. And I also understood that there was a lot of disconnect as well between all the different parts of the industry when Mm -hmm. you're not uh, already a developer Mm -hmm. or, like, a person who, like, can do all these things. That, you know, the perfumer has no clue on how to find distribution. Right. The the this the distributor has no clue how to f- source the bottles. Mm-hmm. The bottle person has no clue on who gets you the pumps. Right. So that was like a big like uh, learning curve, but I started working on it, and you know I had I realized that I had this amazing chance. I had perfumers like Jan and Rodrigo that believed in the idea, that were excited about it, and I had and at the moment like also like I'm very grateful for it a team of like a sales team at Givetan that said like sure let's give this a chance I think that would be very different now Mm -hmm. partly because like the the whole scene has exploded and like the niche scene is like so big now that you get lost in the middle of all that and I think there's also like you know the industry is going through a flux moment and there's so much pressure pressure on performance and, like, like numbers and, like, how much investment are you going to bring into this? Like, I was never asked that. Mm-hmm. They never asked you, like, how much revenue is this brand going to generate in the first year, you right. think? What's your projection? Right. I, I needed to know that for me, but I was never asked that by the what, sales team. What year was this? This was 2010. Wow. And I launched in 2011.
0: Wow, what did you do in that pitch meeting? How did you like? Did you have a few fragrances in mind? Like, how yeah. did it go? So, were you my nervous? First,
1: my first pitch pitch meeting with the sales team, the sales executive at Jivadon, I brought all these like mood boards, these like different boards that I had created, that had a a, a bottle in the center. With a name that I had like thought of for the each fragrance, and then there were all these images of different things, like either the convent in Mexico, and then the ingredients in the recipe of the hot chocolate, and then um, you know different images from like the time, or um, you know pieces of fabric or things that kind of like or, or or like a little sample of like cedar wood, kind of like a mood board between like images. Uh, Materials uh, that get told you the story visually um, of each scent. Mm-hmm. And then I sent also like these like documents. I created these like, I wrote these different essays for each of the perfumes. So there was one on that French Spanish meeting, mm-hmm. there was one for the Mexican convent, mm-hmm. there was another one on this like specific like holiday in the Aztec calendar. Um, there was like the festival of flowers when people would go to the fields and gather all these like flou- flowers and then offer them as sacrifice in temple altars. Um, and so that was a sort of like a very clear, again, idea of like what that scent would be. It was mm-hmm. like literally these are the flowers that they would gather. This is the imp- the experience of being in that temple mm-hmm. while the incense, the copal incense is burning. hmm. And you have these, like, heaps of, like, tuberos and magnolia mm-hmm. and um, frangipani. Mm. Um, and so I, I sent, like, these sort of, like, historical essays, <laughs> kind of, like, the way I knew how to write them for, like, you know, school. school. <laughs> and, and then these mood boards. And, you know, they loved them. And they, you know, was very fortunate. They they thought it was, like, a really cool idea. And they gave me a chance. Um it never even felt that esoteric or that sort of like niche because mm-hmm. it was just a happy, you know, everyone was like, like kind of like excited about it. And I think there was like less, again, less pressure mm-hmm. on like, is this going to perform or not?
0: It was just a different time. Yeah. Were you already acting as an evaluator?
1: Um, no, I mean, I think the minute, well, before starting our Yeah. uh, no, it all started with our really. Okay. Um, I started working on the scents and the way I saw it, I was like, I have a chance Mm -hmm. to create my own perfumes with these amazing perfumers. If this like turns into something else and it really does become like, like my livelihood, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. If it's just a, like a project that ends here, that's amazing too, Mm -hmm. because like how lucky am I to do that? I just saw it as an incredible opportunity. Mm -hmm. I saw, (laughs) I also had, when I met Rodrigo, I had just been uh, gifted um, uh, Champaca Absolute by Tom Ford. And I loved the scent. I was Mm -hmm. obsessed with the scent. And so Rodrigo was asking me what I was wearing, what I wore. And I said, like, oh, I just got this fragrance as a gift. It's Champaca Absolute. She's like, I I did that. And that blew my mind. I was like, I can't believe, like, that's you. Right and then i found out that he also had done Neroli portofino and that he had he had done like Clinique Cappy and he had done so many fragrances that of course i knew and loved i was like if i get to work with this you know like this is like working with like being an architect and working with your favorite architect right. uh, and he's saying like i'll build you a house i'll mm-hmm. take it yeah um so 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 the first fragrances i did with which are part of our um were my first time working as developer and evaluator, and I really had like the, also like the guidance of Sophie as evaluator to teach me mm-hmm. to smell.
0: Was that nerve wracking for you? Not Did, at all. Like no, okay. Because I was gonna say like I feel like being an evaluator for someone like Rodrigo and being like mm, maybe change this. Like, does that feel
1: well? Yeah. For, I th- I think first I think I would be you know I think I I got more nervous later on. Mm-hmm. At the moment, I didn't really like understand exactly maybe like sort of like the level that i yeah. was working with yeah but also like i had sophie sophie was really acting more as the evaluator gotcha. i was just sort of like what it was very important to me was like this is the history mm-hmm. and this is what i know in my brain should stand out right one thing that they taught us at uh, like historic preservation was like you need to choose what is most significant in the story
0: Right. right in the building mm-hmm.
1: is it the facade is it the interior is it the 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 architect that built it what is the important part the most important part and so for me it was like you know if i'm talking about the convent it needs to be the incense and it needs to be the kitchen okay i'm not gonna foot like i'm not gonna like if 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 the story relies too much on like the rosemary in the courtyard i'm like it's it's not a rosemary story it mm-hmm. should be in there but that's not the most significant ingredient right mm-hmm. um similarly with the other ones i, I that that's what i knew that I thought that I that I was uh I needed it needed to click in my brain. Mm-hmm. And then she taught me a lot of like when I put into words like, oh, this is what I don't like about it, it smells like this. She was she taught me how to associate that with raw materials. Okay. So if there was something that note that smelled um a little acid, a little bit sort of like in a specific way, she's like, oh it's the it's the butyric note,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then I was like, "Oh, now I know." Mm-hmm. If something smells a little bit like, like, like pee a little bit or acid like that, like it's it's that butyric acid kind of smell.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, you know, I think with practice and with experience, I was able to sort of like connect,
0: learn the language, learn the language,
1: connect like the raw materials and the molecules mm-hmm. with like, oh um, you know, Ambrook Sand like, this is that, right. like, this is, this is, you know, what that experience or that impression means now.
0: And it's interesting too, because you're talking about like picking what is the hero story you're trying to, t- right. to tell, what are you trying to focus on? I'm curious if there's ever been something you've studied in history that you've wanted to recreate and the notes just really are not agreeing with each other. Like if, if the Rosemary really was just bad for that yeah. formula like what do you do in those instances if you yeah. really want to tell a story but it, it doesn't smell right together
1: it, it happens a lot I mean it actually happens more often than not because you, you there's like there sometimes there's like a lot of like conflicting characters mm-hmm. I mean when we did a uh, boutonniere number no. seven which is our gardenia scent um, that was a very challenging perfume because originally...
0: And what is that one inspired by?
1: That one's inspired by like Gilded Age, Belle okay. Epoque, Paris. Mm-hmm. And the idea is like intermission at the Opera Comique, which is like one of the opera houses in Paris. And so what would the crowd smell like
2: mm-hmm. if
1: you're in Paris at that time in 1899? Mm-hmm. And so it's the perfumes of the time, of course. Mm-hmm. And so one inspiration was Jicky by mm-hmm. Guerlain. Because mm-hmm. um, that was sort of like something that was worn a lot around the time. And... Um, but also gardenias because gardenias would be the opera flower. It's what men would wear specifically for black tie. Mm -hmm. So the gardenia was important. Jiki was important. And then what else? Like the architecture is maybe not as important there because you have a lot of sort of, uh, it's not like being in the convent with the cedarwood beams and the Mm -hmm. the whole like patina.
0: Right.
1: Here you're in sort of like in a well-appointed room with like paintings and like all this like, you're not maybe getting like the, the construction the smell of the materials room, as right, much. Right. Yeah. You would get more of the people in there, mm-hmm. right? Um, and in that particular one, the Jiki aspect was overpowering the formula. Got it. And it was also making it something that we didn't want because what I really wanted was like, I want the impression of like getting close to one of these people with the gardenia and smelling the gardenia and then a little whiff of their fragrance.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and that's when we switched it a little bit. It's like, well, what other perfumes were there besides Jiki? Because maybe Jiki is the one that's overpowering here. Mm-hmm. And so we thought, like, you know what? There would always also be a very sort of, like, beautiful, simple, elegant lavender cologne mm-hmm. that somebody would wear, that a man would wear. Right. So maybe the lavender cologne with the gardenia, that would be a better choice. Got it. And we switched completely.
0: So it's you're telling the story of the history, but making it work so that it smells like something that you exactly. actually would like to... Exactly. With. And that's
1: sort of like, I mean, and again, as an architect, you kind of like have to take a little bit of creative license of like, okay, this is like the history of this building, or this mm-hmm. is the history, you know, objectively. Mm-hmm. And how do I make it relevant for today?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How do I make you care about the past? And how does it smell good to you? And right. Literally. And right. Con- how case. do you
0: contemporize it, uh-huh. bring it back? But it also has to be something that in 2023, people are going to want to buy.
1: And Absolutely. And the other thing that I was uh, very aware of, I didn't want you to smell like my Antoinette. I didn't want you to smell like
0: I wouldn't mind it personally, but I'm in the minority no, there. <laughs> I
1: know. But like, that's where it, it becomes really sort of like, well, first of all, how do we really know that that's right. actually it? And then the thing is, like, our formulas today are much more complex. Mm-hmm. And that's also something I learned with, like, Rodrigo. He's He told me, like, perfumery today is the best it's ever been in history. Mm-hmm. If you were to recreate exactly what Marie Antoinette wore that time,
2: you be would nice be disappointed. To... Yes, right. You would
1: find it weak. You would right. find it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it wouldn't have its own beauty, but, like, it wouldn't make the cut today. Right. And so that's why I was like, okay, th- then that's important. Let's not try to be somebody else. Right. Let's try to, like, drop you. 2023 person into that experience in the past, but still, you know, make it relevant to you and make you a contemporary person kind of like relate to it. Right. So, so yeah, you have to sort of like have a little bit of, uh, you have to like be a little, you know, don't have to stick to the script Mm -hmm. so much. You have Mm -hmm. to uh, look a little bit elsewhere and say, okay, instead of like focusing on just in that detail, let's focus on something else.
0: Interesting. So are you still practicing architecture today or is that sort of like a dormant part of your career No, it's not. And I
1: I really care about it immensely and I would love to do more. Um, I mean, the last like project that I did was like the renovation of this apartment, which was like had not been touched since like, I mean, some rooms had not been touched since like 1899 when the building was built. Mm -hmm. I mean, the bathroom was like original, which sounds romantic, but like it was not needed a, a like a big update um so this was like a really a, a year project that was really fun to do um and the fact that it's an old building and everything that was really fun but I would love to do more I, I I'm I love Mexico and I love um going back and I would love I love the architecture there and I would love to like also kind of maybe flip houses and develop uh just restore colonial buildings and then uh, turn them into beautiful holiday houses and things like that in in a very, you know, responsible way. Um, but the perfume work is really, that's what I do every day mm-hmm. from like sunrise to sundown. So I'm really focused focused on Arquiste and all the other development projects that I'm working on.
0: Yeah, how did all of the other projects, so are you now in the industry as a formal evaluator or nose? Yeah, or... I mean,
1: I, 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 I think of myself more as a developer developer, because it's always it's evaluation within development right mm-hmm. and it's always like to develop something new for a brand mm-hmm. um but i i i work as the evaluator and as like the guide mm-hmm. i guess for brands mm-hmm. um yeah it, it all started actually because you know i think one one thing that happened with our is that there was a heavy component of storytelling and so brands started picking up on that or people started picking up on that And so the first time was with, uh, when, um, actually Sir Trudon, Trudon, I met them on a, on a trip to Dallas to meet up with Neiman Marcus when I was launching the brand. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And the person in in charge of like Trudon said, like, I I like your brand a lot Mm -hmm. and I love the storytelling behind it. Maybe you could do something together.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And we did a candle together that was called Merida. Mm-hmm. like the city in Yucatan. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, like, come up with a story. You tell me the story. And and I thought of Merida because um, Merida is a town that had a lot of French influence. So I thought, like, the Franco-Mexico connection would be good. And there's also, like, a lot of beautiful limes and different types of citrus fruit from Merida. There's also, like, incredible just tropical fruits and specifically guava. Mm-hmm. So we made this candle a guava scent, mm-hmm. and it's the story of, like, this me- the Mexican empress, which was originally Belgian, that goes to Merida, sits under a guava tree, and has that experience for the first time. Mm. Um, and so, then after Ciudadan, um that candle launched, uh, was somebody contacted me from Starwood, which is the, the hotel group that right. managed Saint Regis, okay. the brand, the the brand of hotels and resorts, and they said like we are thinking of like doing a signature scent for Saint Regis. Uh, would you be interested in this? Um, would you want to be considered? We're like talking to different brands and different developers and different fragrance houses. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, I was, of course, thrilled and super honored. And um, I started, I met with them and they said, like, we want you to focus on the St. Regis history. You know, the brand was like started by the Astor family, uh, which is an iconic New York family, Gilded Age family. Um, and they mentioned a couple of sort of like details about uh, the founder and his mother, who was sort of like all the different rituals at the St. Regis are come from like the Astor household, wow. like their their tea, uh, ser- like the the way they serve the tea, the way the way they uh, they have like this like sort of uh, sabrash, which is like, you know, opening the champagne bottles with like, like a knife, sa- the situation. sabers. yeah. yeah. And that comes from the Astors and all this kind of stuff. The
0: Astors, wow!
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. Very, you know, like the, oh, the, the whole old like
0: classic Gilded Age. Gilded Age, New Age York. Yeah. exactly. They have like a room at the New York Public Library, I think, yeah. and it's like what their old like library looked like. And I'm just like,
1: yeah, the Astor family. It's amazing. Yeah. Um. And I would uh. So and that that whole thing, of course, I'm like fascinated by. And so I found these like articles, um, at the New York Public Library. These articles from like the New York Times. Um, from back in the day that basically told the story of like the party that she, that Mrs. Astor had just hosted the night before. Wow! And so they spoke about... They like, always
0: used to write about it, like so-and-so yeah, hosted a gathering, Especially yeah. because,
1: you know, there were no pictures, there right. were no like, you know... It was the original Instagram, or yeah. Social media, this yeah. was the social media, yeah. right? The, the social pages in like the paper. Right. And so they described who attended, what were they wearing, what was the food, what mm-hmm. was the music,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and also what flowers did they use to decorate the rooms.
0: All the information's right there.
1: All the perfume is right there. Yep. So I had a list of flowers mm-hmm. and I came back to like St. Regis and I said like, this is my proposal. It's all the ha- flowers that Mrs. Astor would use in her house when she created these, uh, when she hosted these balls. And my point was also like, and this would be beautiful because it would also be contemporary because mm-hmm. I'm not basing it on something that doesn't exist anymore or that is old fashioned. Flowers are flowers. Mm-hmm. Flowers will always be important and they're always part of like the the, the hotel element I again completely like full circle with my first experience in uh in sort of like a fancy hotel,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like thinking of like those like flowers as such an important part of my experience. Right. That's what made wow. it luxurious to me.
0: We have come full yeah. circle in this in this hour. <laughs> right. This is amazing.
1: And so the um yeah, I thought like that's my idea. And I worked with Rodrigo on it. And we created a couple of like different versions of these like floral scent all using the same flowers, but in different sort of like proportions. And we won the project and we beat a lot of other fragrance houses for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after that, like people kind of like st- started like kind of calling and saying like, okay, w- you we liked your storytelling mm-hmm. behind this. Um, let's do something.
0: Well, speaking of your storytelling and your partnership with Rodrigo, I do want to touch on vacation before we get to the final segment of the show. Because I am like, I'm such a fan. I love it. I love the kitschy marketing. I love the fragrance. It's so good. I'm so so into it. Please share the inspiration. How did that come to be?
1: That was right before COVID. Um, It was so interesting. So a friend that like, when I finished this apartment, uh, I had a photographer friend that shot the apartment and uh, he posted pictures about it. On uh, of the apartment, and it turns out that this same photographer had been sent uh, a, an oil that was sort of like a little pilot project that the vacation guys were working on. Mm-hmm. And he got sent this bottle and he photographed it. And so the founders of vacation saw the pictures of the apartment and they saw that I was a fragrance developer. Mm-hmm. So they contacted me and they said like hey, we're thinking like, we're launching this like brand. Um, it's inspired by this like sort of eighties and nineties, like holiday, uh, nostalgia, like what it was like to like be a kid and be, wear these like sunscreens. That's exactly what it smells Um, like. Yeah. And we would love to develop something. And they sent me like some sort of like images and the whole sort of like presentation deck. And I was like, this is really cool. It's well done. Mm -hmm. It's super well-rounded and it speaks to like all the emotion and the nostalgia and the, it's just, like, the desire of, like, mm-hmm. go back to that time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I grew up, and this is also, like, a very funny thing, Like, but, like, I'm from Mexico City, and we have, like, one of the most beautiful coastlines in the world in Mexico, like, the most beautiful, like, beach towns, but I grew up spending most of my summers in St. Pete Beach in Florida for wow. a very random okay. reason.
0: What is the reason?
1: I'm a Mexi Jew. I'm a Mexican there Jew. <laughs> <laughs> so as Jews, my parents wanted take bagels. Take it a Boca, right? Yeah, exactly. They wanted uh, malls. They yeah. wanted bagels. <laughs> they they related to that sort of like yeah. American Jewish like culture. Yeah. And so to be like, yeah, we'll go to Acapulco. We'll do all that, but like, we'll have like you know some time in Florida too. We need it.
0: Got to see your people.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And so it it was it was uh, hilarious, but I grew up with that. So I grew up with that, like exactly the references that they were like, I have the same kind of like pictures that they would use uh, in vacation. Um, And I'm in late 80s, 90s kind of age wise. So, Mm -hmm. like, you know, that's exactly me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I love the idea. I love the challenge of like kind of like not necessarily recreating, but taking all this incredible uh, inspiration Making it new, making it, trying to make it better, of course. Um, and the thing that I like talked to them about was like, listen, if you're gonna claim being the world's best smelling sunscreen, because that was from day one, mm-hmm. they were like, we want to be the b- world's best smelling sunscreen. I was like, you need to own it. You need mm-hmm. really need to come out with like, you know, the bravado for it. Yeah. So like, if it's and like have a team
0: behind it. Who let's you can do it. Up. Yeah.
1: And I was like, let's do an EDT as well. Let's do a fragrance. Why stop at the sunscreen? This needs to come from fine fragrance. Mm -hmm. And then we'll adapt a cosmetic formula. Wow. So instead of like going from like this little small budget, Mm -hmm. let's work with a big budget. Let's make it the best we can. Mm -hmm. And then let's actually adapt it to the the sunscreen lotion.
0: Yeah.
1: And they luckily they were like, that sounds like a good idea. Let's do that. Um, And they believed in in me and Rodrigo. And I told him, like, listen, like, I want to work with Rodrigo on this. Rodrigo's is gonna be amazing. Like it's gonna be a huge opportunity for us to like do this with him. Mm-hmm. He gets completely like the solar notes and the the florals and those like salty florals and um,
0: and like that tuberose that's in there. That beautiful oh, like tuberose God. frangipani. Yeah, I love
1: it. And he was and we talk, we would talk about like the references. Is, is it like sort of like the banana boat and the mm-hmm. Hawaiian Tropic. He's like yes, but it's also sort of like the French sunscreens from, that I grew up with. He would tell me. Um, and so we wanted like the floral floral aspect, but then the banana, the coconut. I was also obsessed. I still am obsessed with this Australian sunscreen brand called Letan, okay. if you know it. It's a coconut uh, sunscreen. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. I discovered it in Australia and I was obsessed because it smells like this beautiful coconut milk. Um, mm. And it became part of like an inspiration for Sydney Rockpool, mm-hmm. which is one of the fragrances that I have. Um, and that Sydney Rockpool is all about like your skin at the beach what yeah. does that smell like afterwards salty like?
0: sunscreen suntan exactly yeah.
1: um yeah what the what the what the smell of like the ocean and the salt that like stays on your skin and and then the little bit of a coconut all that and uh the vacation guys loved S- Sydney Rockpool too mm-hmm. so i think because they saw that uh, we had done something that smelled like the beach mm-hmm. and that smelled that had like a little bit of an accord of a sunscreen in there they were like okay these guys can do it mm-hmm. Um, and that's how it came about. And, um, I mean, it's just been incredible seeing like their success. I'm so happy and so proud of what they've done because also the ideas are well executed. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're obviously responsible for like all the scent, uh, but
0: the marketing, the marketing is great.
1: And like the whipped, uh, like lotion is genius. I love it.
0: What I love about the sense and coming full circle to everything you've talked about is that you don't just think of. You know, in talking to you, it's very clear. You don't just think of, like, what does this item smell like? What does this smell like? You're really focused on the world building, and that's what makes the vacation perfume so beautiful is that it's not just sunscreen. It's like you're laying on a pool float in your wet bathing suit. You've just dipped in the pool. You have, like, a tropical drink in one hand. You're doused in sun. It's the whole
1: scene. Exactly. Again, it's not trying to make a new banana boat. Right. You know, it's It's actually... What does it smell like to be on vacation?
0: Yes. It's totally. the
1: full experience of it. And the the yeah, like the what does it smell to be poolside? Yes. Then you need to smell a little bit of chlorine. Mhm. Then you need to have like that pool water element.
0: Yeah. Um
1: what is it like a wet swimsuit smell like?
0: You captured it.
1: Right? And you know how we captured it it was so interesting it was tarragon.
0: Tarragon. Tarragon is this how we is my, got the chlorine. This is my favorite part of perfumery of like Completely notes natural. that that incidentally smell yep. like other things. Like tarragon smelling like a wet bathing suit. Like what? That's when, wild to me.
1: When uh, when when of Dakota, one of like the founders of Vacation would come over and we would do smelling sessions, at first I would like have like all these different raw materials mm-hmm. to familiarize himself
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh with, you know, what does lavender smell like? What does mm-hmm. tarragon smell like? What was This is like bergamot. This is a specific type of like lemon. This is all these kinds of things. And tarragon was like, we're like, oh, we can do the pool water with that. Who
0: would have guessed that? That's really bad. Okay, well, for time's sake, we have to wrap up to the final segment, although I could literally talk to you for like two more (laughs) hours because I could go on.
1: We can go on. I know. I
0: really could. But we have one final segment of the show. It is Rapid Fire Scent Association. The game is actually, incidentally, what you started this podcast with saying, what's that smell? As you were talking about the smell of the hotel right. in London. <laughs> mm,
2: what's
0: that smell? Um, and I'll just throw out different places, emotions, concepts. You just tell me the first smell that comes to mind. Yeah. And no answer is incorrect. So Okay, good. You ready to play Let's what's that it. smell? Let's do it. Yeah, okay. fun. What is the smell of Mexico City?
1: Oh, my God. Listen, it's a big city smell story, right? So there's a lot of, like, conflicting, interesting things happening. Um, there's for sure the element of, like, cars and traffic and pollution, of course. But there's also – it's a, a very green city. And people don't realize this on, on, until they finally go there. And they're like, oh, my God, it's, like, surrounded by mountains, first mm-hmm. of all. Um it's fully like it's full of like all the trees, all the streets are full of trees and there's like flower little kiosks at almost every corner. And so you may have like the smell of like, you know, the the street and the traffic, but then suddenly you'll get a whiff of like incredible tuberose. Mm-hmm. And it's because you just like passed one of these like flower booths or stands um, and tuberose like we have it in such abundance there. Like I'm probably maybe in India, mm-hmm. uh, you would have it like just like as much of it, but in Mexico we have it everywhere and it's like omnipresent. Mm. Um, and tuber is is for me like very very defining of Mexico City. Mm. Um, there's also. We have incredible bakeries in in Mexico. There's of course the smell of tortillerias, of tortillas,
0: which I think narrowly sometimes smells like that that tortilla smell. I don't know if that if I'm off base here.
1: Yeah, well the tortilla they smell very chalky. Yeah, it's very mineral mm-hmm. and chalky, and you smell it's 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 amazing. It's like super specific, um, and it's the whole process of like nixtamalization Mm -hmm. right and then also sort of like the machines uh, Mm -hmm. making the tortillas but Mexico also has incredible bakeries that have like pan dulce which is like the pastries Mm -hmm. Um, and you have them all over the place and pan dulce is like an integral part of like Mexican breakfast Mm. Um, so bakeries are also very important another thing that's very interesting is the smell of the subway is the same as the one in Paris and it's because the subway trains are French Huh. So the the burnt note of like um the pneumatic like the tires mm-hmm. um is the same that you find in Paris when you're uh in the subway in Paris. And it smells like a little bit like bread.
0: What's the smell of New York City? If you had to sum it up.
1: Well, I think it depends on where you are in the city, right? But um I think the closer you, you are to water, like I think water becomes like a very important element of it. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I usually like try to like go for runs in the West side highway and everything. Mm -hmm. And I love the smell of like the river and the Hudson Yeah. and just sort of like the that how open and airy and like salty and at the same time, not too salty. That sort of like estuary kind of like smell, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, like oysters, a Mm -hmm. little bit like oysters. That brininess. Brininess. Yeah. Um, So that's something about New York. I think also there's there's. I think that, like, there's so many restaurants mm-hmm. that you can smell, whether it's like there's there's like the pizzeria in the corner mm-hmm. or the Chinese food mm-hmm. or like whatever, like somebody's cooking downstairs mm-hmm. uh, on like sort of like the first floor of a building. Um, I don't know the ginkgo trees. That's very New York to me. I have like ginkgo trees right outside of like my building.
0: I don't even think I know the smell.
1: Oh, like throw up. Okay. They smell. They I smell I'm like, like vomit. I'm not
0: even familiar. As you're saying this, I need to like. They're the
1: they're, they're beautiful. They're beautiful trees that that um, have beautiful leaves, and they're very lovely and green in the summer. And then in the fall, they turn a really beautiful yellow. Mm-hmm. But when the ginkgo berries fall, when they have like the berries, they they when they, you crush them, they smell like vomit.
0: Wow. So that's okay. very attention. New York. I think it always smells a little bit like vomit that I like, don't know what to attribute it to, so now that I know yeah. that it's the ginkgo trees all yeah be it's, on not the as bad. it's not as bad as you yeah. thought,
1: right. Um, and then I don't know. It, it, again, it depends on sort of like like where you are, who you're with. I mean, I remember like when I started working in fragrance and I would re- meet with a lot of like French perfumers or you know French retailers and stuff, they would always talk about like New York like like the place of like white florals all the women wore white florals. Mm -hmm. I think they thought of like fracas Mm -hmm. and carnal flower. Mm -hmm. And I do think that there's like this sort of like American, and not only, I mean like sort of like North, South, Central American like affinity for like white flowers. Yeah. That is very sort of like new world that is really beautiful.
0: Mm -hmm. What is the smell of love?
1: Oh, a hug.
0: A hug. Okay. Uh,
1: You know what it is? The nape of the neck.
0: Ooh, okay. It's
1: smelling like the little hairs in the back yeah. uh, of the neck. just like
0: skin and,
1: yeah. Yeah, skin, salty. Obviously, it depends on, like, your person, right? mm mm-hmm. um, Just, like, a little bit. I always, like, say, you know, that, like, also, like, when there's a little bit of, like, sweat in the hair, but mm-hmm. just enough to, like, give it a little bit of a scent. Mm-hmm. Not greasy, um, just a not little. Not greasy, not greasy. Just sort of, like, okay, yeah. it's, like... The day has passed, yeah. Um, and this and your true scent comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew has like this scent in his like that he gets in like the sides of his like temples. Mm. And I always like g- smell his like the nape and the temples. And I always say, like, my sides, my sides. <laughs> and they smell like oh my, he, he smells like a baby, it's like wow. a, almost like a baby musk, wow, uh, but salty.
0: That's nice. Um, okay, what is the smell of Carlos Huber?
1: Um, oh my God. If, if my friends are listening to this, they'll be like, oh, let's hear it. <laughs> um, I guess, I guess they would always, I, I mean, I'm always like wearing what I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would have to say it's, it's probably a very, I mean, if it's really me, me, me inside, not just what I'm working on, it's probably a baby cologne that I'd just like will never let go of.
0: At your truest core, your baby cologne. What's the cologne?
1: Nanuco. It's okay. a Spanish, it's a Spanish brand.
0: Wow. It's that's a baby really cologne. Nice.
1: I just I just love it. It like it, it it gives me like a lot of comfort. It's like my roots. It's my
0: It's who you are at your core. It's
1: wh- yeah and I always like want to sort of like think of myself as like a baby. not as a baby. <laughs> no, but like as somebody who like like it's just sort of a kind of like appreciates the simple things yeah you know yeah I and i remember like once i wore it out and somebody said like wow that smells so sexy i'm like it's a baby cologne so if a baby cologne can do that then you're good
0: wow i love it okay well it has been such a pleasure chatting thank with you, you. It's been a pleasure i truly chatting could to do this you. for like many more hours yeah thank you and for everybody who's listening um where can they explore our uh
1: so you can find us online uh on our website our Uh, We sell all over the country in different wonderful uh, retailers like Fumery and Osme and Sendroom. We sell internationally in Italy, in Spain, in France, in the UK, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, if you come to ourkeys.com, you'll find our list of retailers and you can purchase discovery sets and fragrances and our candles and many of our collaborations right there.
0: Amazing. And if people want to follow you, uh
1: yeah, how can the, they do that? The, the brand uh Instagram is uh at Arquiste, that's A-R-Q-U-I-S-T-E. And then my own Instagram is Arquist Carlos. Fairly Great. simple.
0: Perfect. Carlos, thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much, Emma.
0: Perfume room is edited by Wyatt Peak, music is by Max Vernon and illustrations are by Israel Rodriguez.